Welcome to Escape Routes with Condé Nast Traveller. My name is Melinda Stevens, the Editor-in-Chief of Condé Nast Traveller US and Condé Nast Traveller UK, and it is my pleasure to introduce you to our podcast series. Travel is all about storytelling, a story of a place, of its people, of a journey, and at Condé Nast Traveller we've always celebrated the most transportative, evocative travel writing. With much of the world currently grounded, we've come together to take you to some of our favourite places, if only in your imagination, by listening to our most loved travel stories read aloud by the writers who penned them. We hope these short escape routes allow you to daydream of far-flung adventures, discover the world's curious corners or recast familiar destinations in a fresh light, and that you love these travel stories as much as I do. Hello, my name is Horatio Clare. Welcome to Condé Nast Traveller's Escape Routes. I will be reading my piece on Sicily, which featured in the May 2021 issue of Condé Nast Traveller. I hope you enjoy it. At sunrise, under cumulonimbus like cloud mountains, a trawler leaves Mazzara del Vallo. The skipper has her on slow ahead. Between this little Sicilian port and Tunisia, just over the horizon, are fat catches of sardines, anchovies and prawns. There is almost no hurry in this region, none on the coast this morning. The sea has been flat for days. I began my exploration of Western Sicily here because Mazzara is its ancient gateway and one of the towns I love best. An easy drive from the station or the airport at Palermo along a road that takes you past stunning Greek temples at Segesta, Mazzara is the most languid edge of Europe. But the remote and dreamy aspects of Sicily are deceptive. Though I have lived in Palermo, this expedition to the West leads to new territories to secrets, fugitives, miracles, and eccentricities. How close can you come to finding the soul of a place in a few days? As the local proverb has it, the mouse said to the nut, give me time and I will break you. Time in Western Sicily is peculiar. The map of the Mediterranean was once to many the chart of the known world. The Levant, the Lebanese shore from which the Phoenicians came, is the Eastern Rim and the pillars of Hercules, Gibraltar and Jebel Musa, the entrance to the Atlantic, the west. South is ancient Carthage, founded by the Phoenicians in what is now Tunisia. Above is Rome, just to the right, Greece, and in the middle of everything is Sicily. Looked at this way, the sleepy ocean front, smelling of evaporating rain on marble pavements, tobacco smoke, fish and seaweed, is not an obscure backwater but at the root of Western civilization. This docile present is also a distant future of ruins to the Greeks, Normans, Arabs and Bourbons who ruled here. One day, a Sunday like this one perhaps, it will be our distant past. And thus the present has an extraordinary depth. You can observe it in the evening passeggiata, which is an almost sacred custom, a see and be seen stroll taken for its own sake, which I watch from my rented apartment, Sunset Terrace Mazzara, a real find, with a huge roof and open air showers overlooking the promenade. 
The women wear their hair in thick ringlets. Their dresses are colourful and in gaudy styles that seem to gesture to Constantinople rather than Milan or Rome, which isn't surprising. Until the Arab conquerors came ashore in Mazzara in 826 AD, bringing irrigation and astronomy, this was Byzantium's westernmost province. It is also an African shore. Swap the dialect of this morning's joggers, who look as though they only do this once a week for the jokes, for colloquial Arabic, and their noisy joy in loud greeting and extravagant cries would be identical to the dock chatter of Algiers. Everyone appears to be happy, which is unusual for 2020. Last night's showers have freshened the light. Writing about the deep south of Italy, the Mezzogiorno, the land of the midday, W.H. Auden noted that the Greeks called this sun he who smites from afar. Shadows here, he wrote, are dagger-edged. Falling on rusted balconies and faded whitewash, Mazzara's sunlight gilds the lines of Antoine, Papa Francesco and Danish, fishing smacks tied up at the quay. It grids caged cockerels at the car boot sale, purples the aubergines and brightens the uniforms of two policemen studying the massive severed head of a tuna floating in the harbour. The Museum of the Dancing Satyr opens. Inside is the eponymous work, a miracle of a sculpture that was the cover star of a Royal Academy exhibition of bronzes from around the world. Norman Lewis, the spy, soldier and writer who married the daughter of a Sicilian mafioso and knew and loved this town, claimed that local fishermen had actually caught it in their nets and thrown it back several times before a crew brought it ashore in 1998. The satyr is frighteningly beautiful, mid-jump, hair streaming, his expression glazed, entranced. You may have felt his ecstasy one intense night. The genius of the piece is that he seems to feel it for all time. The craftsmanship suggests his creator could have been Praxiteles, a Greek master from the 4th century BC. It would make sense. A lazy drive west along the shore leads to Selinunte, where a ruined Greek city from the same period overlooks the sea. The temple to Athena still partly stands. Another, to Hera, has been resurrected. When you realise they would have been painted in red and blue and gold at the time, this seems a suddenly eastern world. I sat in the shade of a Doric column and took in the chack of jackdaws, clicking cicadas, the pigeons murmuring and the brush of a zephyr. This scape of sound and sensation has not changed in 2,500 years. On the beach, the first restaurant is Lido Zabara, a blue and white shack where non-vegetarians should try spaghetti con ricci, sea urchins. The Arabs are thought to have introduced pasta to Europe, the perfect campaigning food. The esculent marine richness of the ricci is aromatic and sexy, a quintessential Sicilian flavour. In The Siren, a wonderful short story by Giuseppe Tomasi di Lampedusa, a Greek professor recalls his love affair with Legea, a mermaid. She ate nothing that was not alive. I often saw her rise out of the sea, delicate torso sparkling in the sun, teeth tearing into a still quivering silver fish, blood running down her chin. If you were to see a mermaid, it would be here, in these waters Lampedusa described as the colour of peacocks. 
His novel, The Leopard, one of the greatest of the 20th century, has at its centre a journey undertaken by a noble family to their country palace in the hills in 1860. It was the year Garibaldi began the unification of Italy with the toppling of the hopelessly decadent Bourbon kingdom of the two Sicilies. The golds and browns of Lucino Visconti's 1963 film of the book, starring Burt Lancaster and Claudia Cardinale, are the perfect visual preparation for an expedition to this region. One of the book's insights is that everything in politics must appear to change so that everything may remain the same. A phlegmatic and very Sicilian point of view. It was time to turn my back on the sea and go in search of the heart of the West, which hides somewhere in the burnt hills. There, among the tamarisks and scattered cork trees, appeared the real Sicily again, the one compared to which baroque towns and orange groves are mere trifles, Lampedusa wrote, aridly undulating to the horizon in hillock after hillock, comfortless and irrational, with no lines that the mind could grasp, conceived apparently in a delirious moment of creation. Basing myself near the town of Menfi at La Foresteria on the Planeta Estate, a lovely low-lying hotel with a distant view of the sea set amid the vineyards that made the family's fortune, I began to probe inland. My guides were Salvo Ognibenni, an author who writes about the links between the church and the mafia, now a student also of wine and tourism, and his partner, Ambra Cusimano, a former restaurateur from Palermo. They were delightfully in love. As we drove in convoy, they kissed at traffic lights, but possessed of comically different feelings about his hometown. Menfi, an old agricultural centre atop a low hill. Menfi, he cried, the sea is more blue here. The air is the freshest in the world. Menfi is terrible. It is a horrible place, she retorted. Actually, it's a dozy outpost, possessed of the oldest and biggest bougainvillea in the world, Salvo claimed. We drove inland to Santa Margherita di Bellici, childhood summer home of Lampedusa, on which he based Donna Fugata, his hero's country palace. It was all destroyed by the earthquake in 1968. Behind the surviving front of the house, there is now a museum, which includes the handwritten script of the leopard. I found it intensely moving. The writing is exquisite, with barely a crossing out. When Lampedusa finished his masterpiece, he allowed himself a tiny flourish. Fine, the end. He died before the novel was published to worldwide acclaim. The last sentence reads, Then all found peace in a livid heap of dust. The prophetic irony is that the earthquake would reduce the house, the town, and entire nearby villages to livid dust. That evening, a tremendous storm blew in from the east, like a dark tidal wave across the sky. Zeus threw lightning bolts, and Poseidon's sea was lost in a storm of rain. You could see why the gods were so present to the Greeks. There is nothing distant or restrained about the elements here. In the morning, I took the winding roads to Poggioriale, which was abandoned after the quake. Fenced off and roofless ruins collapsed into empty streets. I climbed in, but a swollen silence and the stare of a half-blind dog drove me back. Footsteps in one of the houses, a ghost banging a door. There are many spectres in this landscape. The current head of the Sicilian Mafia, Matteo Messina Denaro, or Diabolic, is hiding hereabouts, Salvo said, probably near Castle Vetrano, the gangster's hometown. 
Sicilians delight in the overlaps and ambiguities between what is seen and what is hidden, what is known and not. You look at the wind turbines, real estate developments, even supermarkets differently when you know that these sectors have been used to launder the vast drug profits. To the outsider, ordinary life here has the qualities of a film. In the new town down the road, also called Poggioriale, Enza, who runs the cafe, spoke with pride about the ruined second life as backdrops for Cinema Paradiso and Malena. One of her regulars, Giovanni, a winemaker, shook his head. But so many have left, he said. Our young used to leave on the strength of their arms. Now it's by the power of their brains. His observation seems one of the keys to this area. The feudalism of barons, landlords and the mafia gripped Western Sicily well into living memory. Hundreds of thousands left for the new world, where they helped build the America of the 20th century. Gazing at the dusty silent hills, the swaying eucalyptus, the bee-eaters on the wires and southbound swallows, you realise the soul of this place is also in its departed, in lives that were never lived here. Emigration leaves more for those who remain, of course. Giovanni, Salvo and Ambra all hymned the local wine, which is exported worldwide. On the docks at Shaka, a charmingly rough port city, Ambra interrogated fishermen. Chains of them unloaded dozens of boxes containing sardines and anchovies, throwing a splash of seawater on those that would be eaten on the island and a dash of ice on those going to Rome and Milan. The backs of the fish flared like the sea's own jewels, iridescent turquoise and emerald. We catch them ten hours out, a trawlerman said. Was he worried about depleting stocks? The Mediterranean was made by God, he cried. It's a net. The more you fish, the more you get. The men responded to Ambra and her dialect in ways they never would have answered a foreigner. She stepped onto one boat and a sailor said it was unlucky to have a woman aboard. What's it like being a woman in Sicily now? I asked her afterwards. Not so long ago, this was a notoriously patriarchal and repressive region. Much better, and getting better still, she said. In Palermo, it's fine. No doubt the most recent waves of incomers, the world's travellers, have helped to change attitudes, although Sicily remains old-fashioned in its introspection, secrets and rhythms. No doubt more change will come. In the new abnormal, the island offers a peerless perspective on spans of time, flavours of life, the complex relationships between people and place. I drove back along roads slurred by thick mud and clods of soil from tractor tyres. The tarmac was wrinkled like the skin of an old man's neck, lumps and bumps, as though the earth below was alive, animate, only half asleep. This podcast is sponsored by the Italian National Tourist Board. Italy is the go-to destination for every season steeped in centuries of culture, legendary food and wine and landscapes. From renaissance cities to charming hamlets, rolling hills to tranquil lakes and chic seaside resorts to make the heart sing. Find out more and plan your next Italian holiday at www.italia.it forward slash en. We hope you enjoyed our Escape Routes podcast. 
Please remember to like and subscribe to help boost us in the charts and ensure you are the first to hear about new episodes.